0: Hello, and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett, and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about Christian liberty as I comment on 1 Corinthians chapter 8. This sermon was preached at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Covenant County on July 3, 2022. So I'm glad to be here today at uh, Mount Pisgah Baptist Church, looking forward to being able to share the Word of God with you. I know Brother Ed does a great job here as your pastor and someone who, who brings the Word, and I want to try to honor his uh, ministry today by doing just as good a job as I can for the cause of Christ this morning. And this morning, I want us to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. As you're turning there, I want to uh, thank you for your ministry here in our county and what you do to reach the people in, in your area of influence. want to uh, ask you to continue to pray for your sister churches particularly pray right now for those that are having Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School, as I said once before, and another church is breaking out all over Covenant County. And what I mean by that is so many more churches are having Vacation Bible School this year than they've had the last two years. And it's a a good thing because as we uh, minister to our children in our community, then that gives us the opportunity to minister to the whole family. And historically in the Southern Baptist Convention about one-fourth of our baptisms come from our ministry vacation Bible school so vacation Bible school is very important please pray for our churches that are having vacation bible school this week and the weeks to come and of course we certainly want to pray for you next week as you start your revival revivals are not as common as they used to be but again more revivals are happening uh this year than than in past couple of years and we pray god's blessing on you as you guys have a time of revival here in uh, mount pisgah baptist church today we want to talk about the christians liberty Christian's liberty. Obviously tomorrow, as we've already said, is Independence Day, the 4th of July, and that's the day that we celebrate our independence. Uh, we celebrate our liberty as Americans, as citizens of the United States. We celebrate our freedom. And freedom or liberty are not exactly the same, but they're very similar concepts. And we want to look at that today because the, the idea of freedom or liberty for a Christian might be different than that for other people. There's the song, uh, Me and Bobby McGee, that has the line that says, uh, Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And freedom's not worth nothing, but it's free. Now, that's not the way we look at freedom as Christians. Some people would take the word Liberty and they may think of something like a, a set of overalls. I've, I've got a, I recently bought, uh, this very year, I've actually bought a set of Liberty monkey back overalls because I've been doing a little bit more work outside as the, uh, I've had, uh, to some, some tasks I've had to do around my house and, and there's just nothing that that works quite as well, uh, as a set of Liberty monkey back overalls. Now, Right now, they're a little hot, Uh, uh, you know, but but still. But that's what some people may think of. Others uh, may think that liberty means you can do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. And then there are others in our world that liberty is just a dream. They live in oppressive countries. They live in places where they can't even come and worship on a Sunday morning the way that we do here. Now, in a biblical sense, liberty has some specific meanings. It means freedom from the bondage to sin and bondage to the law. It means having the ability to choose right from wrong. Uh, It means not doing what we want, but instead it means doing or being empowered to do what God wants us to do to do what is right, not what we can do just because we can do it. And we want to look at our text today because our text today centers on the idea of the liberty we have as Christians. And so let's look at uh, verses 1 through 3, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 8 this morning as we begin. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth and he says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for liberty the liberty and freedom that we enjoy here in the United States. But Father, help us to understand that that liberty and freedom on a general scale is is great to enjoy, but the liberty and freedom that we enjoy individually in Christ is even greater and better. And let us see that from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we want to look at uh, a Christian's liberty, the, the liberty that Christians enjoy, Paul says in this passage of Scripture, first, that liberty comes through knowledge. Knowledge is power. Knowing the truth is powerful. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Because what happens when we have knowledge is that our knowledge can dispel myths now in our world today all over social media we know there are many myths being perpetuated on all sides of the political spectrum there are all kinds of conspiracy theories on both sides and all sides that try to get us inflamed in our passions and jesus said we need to know the truth because the truth will set us free for example how many times have we heard from a, a concerned mother or grandmother to come inside and take off your wet clothes because you're gonna get sick take off those wet clothes during the cold winter day because you get being cold and wet makes you sick no being cold and wet makes you miserable <laughs> or being hot and wet can make you miserable as I was yesterday when I was doing some work and I was soaking wet from head to toe outside. Uh, I was wearing shorts instead of my overalls, but I was still sweating. But being cold and wet doesn't make you sick. Bacteria or a virus makes you sick. Now, being cold and wet can reduce your resistance to such things, And it is good to come inside and change your clothes and dry off and get warm. But being cold and wet just itself doesn't make you sick. In fact, people used to think that malaria came from bad air. In fact, that's why they wouldn't they would close their windows At night to sleep because the bad air would come in at night and make you sick. No, what happened was when you had the windows open and it was cool inside the house and dark, the mosquitoes would come in and bite you and give you malaria. So, see, knowledge dispels myths. Knowledge dispels fear. Many people have been scared to come close to a cancer survivor. Or someone with cancer because they, they're afraid they will get cancer. You know, you don't get cancer that way. You don't have to be afraid of someone with cancer. You don't have to be afraid if you know the truth. Knowledge gives freedom. You know what a cattle gap is, right? We live in Alabama. We know what a cattle gap is. A cattle gap is a, a pit that you dig in a road or a path where you don't want to put a gate. And on that pit you dig it out and then you put bars across it. Now you and I being humans, we know we can step on those bars and walk across that gap and we can go in and out of that fence with no problem. We can drive vehicles across that fence but a cow will come up to that cattle gap and they'll look down they'll see there's a pit down there and they'll be afraid to move forward and they'll just turn around and walk away because they're afraid. They don't know that they can step on that bar. They don't know that they can walk across that cattle gap. When we know we have freedom and it gives us the ability to do what we need to do. So what do we need to know? Paul says this, he says, you don't know folks what you don't know. You think you know everything, but the fact is, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. What do we need to know? Well, we need to know how to be saved. We need to know that we are sinful, fallen human beings and that we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. We need to know what pleases God. We need to know how to please God. We, We think about our nation and our nation is great. Back in the 1830s, a French philosopher and politician, and, and um, uh, he was the secretary of state essentially for France, came and toured the United States. And this man was named Alex, Alexis de Tocqueville. And de Tocqueville wrote that America was not uh, uh, good because it was great. In other words, America was not good because it was big and rich. He said America was great because it was good. And that was years ago when we had all kinds of issues that were going on in our country. So how do we please God? How do we know how to please God? How do we be good people so that our nation will be great, so that our communities will be great how can we be good people so that our churches will be great how can we be good people so that our families will be great well we need to know what pleases god how do we know how to live an abundant life jesus said i've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly how do we know how to do that well we know this we can learn this by studying the bible this is god's wisdom for today yesterday and tomorrow it doesn't change and the wisdom in the word of god continues today we need to uh learn knowledge by being around other people who are in christ the scriptures uh, say very plainly that uh that we sharpen each other the the way you sharpen a knife steel sharpen steel and that's the way we can sharpen one another and, and also, as we do these things, we experience God's power in our life. We see God acting. Many, many years ago, there was a fellow on the television that was a British guy. He it's called the Galloping Gourmet, and he, he was one of the first people that had a cooking show on television. And he would cook a meal, and he'd talk all the way through it, as they do. And at the end, he would sit down uh, at a table, have a little table, have two place settings on there, and he'd bring somebody in from the audience, and they would sit down, and he would serve them what he had just cooked. And when he would eat, he would make the most exquisite faces. He He would make faces that you just wouldn't believe to express how much he was enjoying something that he just cooked. But I'm sitting at home, I'm actually sitting at my grandmother's house watching this on the television, uh, and, and I'm thinking, I wonder what he's tasting. I have no idea what he's tasting. I can see it's great, I can see it's wonderful, but I can't experience it because I can't taste it. But with knowledge of what God wants us to be, with of knowledge of what God does for us, we can experience that power and we can taste like The scriptures say, the word of God, taste and see that the Lord, the word of God is good. We also see something else as we look at this passage of scripture. Not only uh, uh, does does liberty come from knowledge, we also see that liberty is guaranteed by love. Look at verse 4. All right, look at verse three. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and there is no other God but the one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God and Father of whom are all things, and we are for him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all are all things and through whom we live. Our liberty is guaranteed by love. It's guaranteed by God's love. Now, here's the truth. Nothing in this world is guaranteed. We are not promised tomorrow. We are not promised even the next moment of our lives. We don't know what's happening next. We don't know what can take place. Just a, just a six months ago, we never imagined that there would be a major war in Europe between Russia and Ukraine. Three years ago, we never imagined that there would be a great pandemic that we experienced over the last several years. We had no idea any of these things were coming. We are not guaranteed Anything. There's no such thing in the world that we can absolutely stand upon. There was a fella in the army going to uh, jump school, Fort Benning, Georgia, learning how to be a parachutist. And uh, during that time of training, they guaranteed that uh, that there would be a, a, a parachute that would open up, and that parachute would lower that soldier to the ground, and that soldier would be able to get up and walk off the drop zone, get on a truck, and drive back to main post. Well, this soldier got to the airplane, he climbed in, he did. They went through all the routines. He jumped out over the drop zone, and his parachute didn't open. And he thought to himself, I bet the truck won't be there either. <laughs> Nothing in the world is a sure bet. My wife and I once had a car that needed new brakes, and we took it to a, a major uh, chain that does brakes, and they guarantee the brakes for the life of the car. I won't say the name. You can talk to me about it later. I'll tell you for sure. Well, we moved to a different state to go to seminary. We got to that state. We needed more brakes. We took our car down to that uh, same chain and they said, oh no, we this, don't, this guarantee is not any good. I said, what? He said, no, th- this group of this same chain in the other state, they don't have the same guarantee that we do. And that lifetime guarantee was worth the paper it was written upon. I'll tell you the com- company on private, if you will. When we believe in anything, we take a risk. Amen. In July in Alabama, if you wait to cut the grass, it's going to rain and you're not going to get to cut the grass. I know that because I've done it just not long ago. Uh, there's nothing in this world that we can rely upon. Every time we make a decision, we take a risk. But there is one thing that we can have a guarantee of, and that one thing is the love of God. The scriptures tell us that God is love, and our God is real and he is powerful. And not only is he real and he's powerful, he's engaged in our lives. There are people in this world who think that there is a creator God. That creator God started the world and just walked away from it. That's not our God. Our God is engaged in our lives every day. And the scriptures tell us here, He says, you can trust your God. Because there may be some other gods in the world. But those gods in the world are nothing like our God. When Job, excuse me, when uh, Jonah, excuse me, when Jonah was on the ship and, and the storm blew up, the sailors on the ship woke up, Guide him up, pulled him up front and said, pray to your God, because who knows he might save us. You see, in the day that Jonah lived, people believed in gods, but they believed in gods of the city and they believed gods of the countryside and they believed in God of the ocean. But there's more than there's there's not more than one God. There's one real God. And that real God is a God of love and a God of power and a God of interest. And that God is interested in us and he will hear our prayers. Why is it that we have a prayer list? If we had a prayer list and all we believed was that we would pray and the prayer request would bounce off the ceiling and bounce around in the congregation, what good would that prayer list be? We have a prayer list because we have a God that cares and a God that loves. And that God guarantees our liberty. Maybe he doesn't always cause us to live in human liberty, but he always gives us the opportunity to have spiritual liberty. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. And our liberty is guaranteed by love. Liberty, uh, it comes from knowledge, and and liberty is guaranteed by love, and it's empowered by grace. Look at verse 7. However, there is not in anyone that knowledge. For some with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat or, uh, are we better, nor do if we do not eat, we are the worst. Liberty is empowered by grace. Now, the specific issue that Paul was dealing here with was the fact that in Corinth, there were a lot of idols and a lot of people were sacrificing food to idols. And when they sacrificed the food to idols, it was cheap. And the Christians, mostly being impoverished, wanted to make their money go as far as possible. And so they would buy the food sacrificed to idols and they would eat it. Now, there were some in in that group that believed that that was wrong. That was wrong because it was worshiping an idol, which it really wasn't. And then there are others that knew that those idols were nothing. They had the knowledge of God that these others did not have because they knew about grace. And grace provides a lot of things for us. First of all, it provides forgiveness. We all have a sin debt. And and no one can be in liberty if they're in debt. If you have a mortgage on your home, you've got to pay that mortgage and you've got to do what it takes to pay that mortgage. Now, I'm not discouraging you from having mortgages. I, I, we've had mortgages in our household. We, we've, we 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 understand that's somewhat that's necessary if we're going to own a home. No, no very few of us can save enough money up to buy a house outright. Uh, If we have a car with a car note, we've got to do what it takes to pay that car note. And if we don't, what's going to happen is somebody's going to come get that car. And it goes on and on and on. But the thing is, the biggest debt all of us have is our sin debt. And somebody's got to pay that sin debt. I was thinking also of the old song, 16 Tons, by Tennessee, Ernie Ford. And this line in that uh, that, uh, that song that goes, St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means, but in times past, big companies like coal companies and sometimes even cotton mills would have a company store and they, they would give you credit and, they, and and a lot of times you would go buy things on credit and the credit that you, the, what you owed the store was more than your monthly paycheck. Well, they just rolled it over, but you kept rolling it over and rolling it over. You owed so much you would never be out of debt. You would die in debt to the company store. And that's what he was saying. St. Peter, I can't go. I got to pay this debt. But we had a debt greater than that. And that debt is a sin debt. It's a debt we can't pay. But grace pays that debt for us through Jesus Christ. And that grace also provides power to us. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. And that comforter is going to help you to live your life. And he's going to encourage you and he's going to teach you all these things. And he's going to guide you on your day to day life. There are many times that we come up with with things, decisions we have to make that aren't literally worked out in the Bible. But the principles of the Bible apply to all decisions we make, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And then finally, grace provides us confidence. See, when we have the grace of God, we don't have to live in fear. The reformer Martin Luther said, trust God and sin boldly. Now, what he meant by that was this. There are times we don't know what to do, but when we trust God and allow the Holy Spirit in our lives to guide us and we trust God's grace, we can know that he has forgiven us our sins and we don't have to live in fear. There are a lot of uh, different things in our world that we have to deal with, but we would have to live in fear with them because our confidence is in Christ. Our grace that we get from Christ covers a multitude of sins. And in Christ, we can be confident. Confidence Not overconfident, because it's not us that does it, but it's Christ that does it through us. After the Titanic sank in um, April of twenty of nineteen twelve, the Titanic that was supposed to be the unsinkable ship, a woman who was a survivor of the Titanic said, "I don't think I'll ever be sure about anything." ever again. And in this world, that's true. But in Christ, we can have confidence. He will help us. He will guide us. And then finally, let's look at verses 9 through 13, because finally, our liberty must be tempered with wisdom. Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because your knowledge shall, uh, uh, because, and because of your knowledge shall your uh, shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren, and wound wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Liberty must be tempered with wisdom. You see, we have this idea that all people are equal. That's what our That's what our Declaration of Independence says, that all people, actually it says all men, okay, all men are created equal. Well, truth be told, all people are created equal in that we are precious in God's sight, but not all people are equal. Now, don't make this into something that's uh, racial or some other thing. It's just not true. There are people who are faster than other people. They are. I just saw a, a video of Bo Jackson doing a uh, an end around. By, he, he, he's a uh, without without any blockers, and Bo Jackson just outran everybody. I can't run that fast. Can you run that fast? Don't think so. Hmm. People are not equal in knowledge. People are not equal in the experience of God's love. People are not equal in the experience of peace. People are not expe- uh, equal in the experience of uh, understanding God's grace. People are not expe- uh, equal in the experience they have of living life. You know, we're not equal in a lot of different ways. In the Old West, the cult revol- revolver was talked uh, was called the equalizer. Because God made all people, but Samuel Colt made them all equal. We're not all equal in these things. And so these differences can cause problems in our churches, in our fellowships, in our homes. People disagree over finances. Um, Used to be there was a a big uh, concern in the church about people borrowing money. I'm not sure that's as, as, as big a concern anymore, but people f- lost fellowship with one another about the issue of borrowing money. Now, may, you might be concerned uh, about cryptocurrency. I'm not sure, but there are concerns. that There are concerns in the church about the TV shows that people watch. Uh, many times, there are people that don't want you to watch TV at all. i tell you the truth. About two years ago, I stopped watching news on television. I stopped watching all the news channels and I'm so much happier having fasted from Fox News and CNN and MS. I am much happier. Now, I'm not telling you to stop that. I have a, a good friend, Gary Miller, pastor of Westview Baptist Church. He's a news junkie. He loves all the news channels. I I just I put that aside because to me it was a problem. There are some people who have differences in doctrine about predestination, the second coming, all kinds of different things. And so we must learn to be wise. In other words, we don't have to say every thought that comes into our mind. We don't have to tweet every idea that comes into our lives. We don't have to do everything that we can do just because we can do it. Paul says you must think of the impact on other people first. And you see, if we have the power to do something, we also have the power not to do something. Sometimes the greatest course of wisdom is not to act. Sometimes, as they say, that the... uh, Uh, that, That it's better to not do something than it is to do something. And we must consider other people. Now, we've come to the end of this chapter. And Paul's concern and prayer for us is to grow in knowledge, to grow in love, to grow in grace and grow in wisdom so that we can enjoy the liberty that's been bought so at such a precious price, by, by such a costly sacrifice. He says, liberty is there for us to enjoy, but we must understand it is a precious commodity. We must exercise our liberties well. You know, not long ago, in March of this year, the college students were on spring break. And 2022 was the first time that the college students had a spring break in several years that wasn't uh, hampered by COVID. And what did they do? Some of our college kids from Alabama went to Panama City, Florida, and they ran riot. They did what they could because they could do it. They didn't exercise wisdom. They didn't exercise grace. They didn't exercise knowledge. And they certainly weren't acting out of God's love. Many times in our lives, we do the same thing. But if we're going to have great homes, we need to exercise our liberty with wisdom, If we're going to have great communities, we need to exercise our liberty with grace. If we're going to have great churches, we need to exercise our liberty in love. If we're going to continue to have a great nation, we need to exercise our liberty in knowledge. Liberty is a precious thing. People are fighting and dying as we speak in ukraine so they can preserve what liberty they have let us also understand it's precious and let's do what we can to preserve it in our lives and in all the areas that we are involved in father we thank you for your word and we'll pray your blessings on us now as we serve you And we thank you, Father, for the freedoms and liberties that we have in the United States. And may we protect them and may we exercise them in the way that Paul encourages to do. And we ask it now in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.